All right, hello and welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging and Friends. We are playing Call of Cthulhu tonight. Uh, we are continuing our Horror on the Orient Express campaign. We are up to episode four. We completed our fir the first scenario, basically, our little, you know, we did that last time, uh, which is an optional scenario. So for those of you who are following along, if you know the, if you know the, uh, the campaign, that was the Doom Train that we worked on. Uh, and so it took us three, took us three sessions ish plus intro to campaign. So I think that's a decent clip. So there's roughly 19 more of these to go. Uh, so by that, by that measure, there's about 60 more sessions, I think, uh, of the campaign, uh, which we get maybe 20, 30, 20 episodes a year. So we're at this for three more years. I think, I think that's probably where we're at something like that. So we'll see, we'll see. Uh, but anyhow, uh, we are going <laughs> to Jeremy's face. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's like, I have to play games with Jeff for three more years. Oh my God. I can't, uh, <laughs> people are going to make fun of my fish face for three more years. Three more years. I can only hope I'm not, this character's not going to survive for three years. Are you crazy? <laughs> we, we should take a poll. Like we should, we should like do bets on who's the first to go. Uh, cause I do oh, think yeah. we'll have to lose a couple people along the way, like being pulp. We won't lose as many, but I feel like we're going to lose a couple mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah. Who's the first to go or who's the first to lose a limb? Uh, well, well, I mean, we, two different pools. Matt. Yeah. Matt's yeah. the other one. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but all right. We, uh, uh, I mean, there's only four of us, so we can do a quick, uh, let's do a quick little reminder of characters and then we'll dive in. So, Jeremy, tell us again who are you are playing. My name is Joseph Tidwell, Staff Sergeant, if you please. However, my true love is the cinema. I am a stuntman. I'm ugly. I'm bald. I have a fish face. Very, very. I true. also once used a rotten heart as a toy train. Yes, my life is strange. That, you can add that to your to your resume now for sure. Uh, rotted, rancid heart of probably his child, his uh, his his adolescent, teenage, mm. early twenties son. Uh, that's probably what it was. Uh, next up, uh, we have our uh, our what you say Russian money bags. So yep, uh, that's me. Yeah, tell us about Grigori there, Chuck. Yeah, uh, Grigori Kozel, uh, big game hunter, comes from a uh, rich family who all died tragically, as they do. Uh, and yeah, my contribution to the group is deep pockets. Uh, I finally figured out my place. You have, a, you, have a, you have a fairly high credit rating, I believe, is, yeah. uh, is what we've learned. Yeah. Uh, and that is a very useful tactic in many situations. Uh, a useful, useful thing to use it can get you some pull in places, which is very good. Yeah. Uh, next up, Melissa, tell us about Pema. Uh, yeah, so Pema Namdak is our scientist uh, who has a decent credit rating, but not as high as Grigori. Um, we learned last time is not particularly good at anything that involves. Uh, physical defense, physical attack, or any such thing along those lines. Uh, so I need to find a library so that I could feel like a useful contributing member of the party. <laughs> well, you can see one of the, on our London map here that the players can see, the British Museum and Library is actually one of the references. Uh, there's also University of London, so get some options. Uh, library use is a oft-used skill in Call of Cthulhu, so don't worry. You'll be able to use those types of things. Uh, and then uh, and then finally, uh, we have the one who kind of got hung out to dry with an old man's dead body. Uh, we've got Cillian Bankura. Tell us about Cillian there, Adam. 
No, your name is Celine Bingo. I am a man of the night, you could say. I am uh, skilled at talking with people and uh, persuading others to do certain things. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, profession I've uh, been bred to do. Uh, I was raised to do it. And uh, I've found that uh, it has served us in ways that we wouldn't have expected. It did indeed. Uh, all right. Uh, and we're down to Matt tonight. Happy birthday, Matt. Uh, Matt's busy tonight, but he'll be back next time. Yay, uh, birthday. But, uh, his, uh, his, his buddy, Reg well, Reginald will be hanging out with his buddy, Joseph, I think, for, for most of the evening. Uh, but be very, very quiet, uh, as he won't say too much. He's thinking. He'll be thinking. It's, it's, his, it's his mute persona. Mm -hmm. we, we've learned he has many personas, and this is the mute one. Yeah. So we'll have to oh, come it's up not a mind, there. though, is it? No, no, oh. no, no. So we, we should just create the persona and tell Matt. I was like, going to say, like, force other. Matt to have a mime as a yes. persona. Yes. <laughs> oh, I like it. I think oh, that's great. session. That's your uh, new persona. This is what you get. Yep. I think okay. that's great. Okay. Perfect. We are we are great people. We are great people. Yeah. We're, we're all playing Hurt tonight, too. I think all of us are sick to some degree. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're uh, we're playing Hurt tonight. That's all right. Uh, everyone's sick right now. Uh, Griffin just mentioned Stephen. Poor Stephen is also sick as well. Everyone's sick. It's crazy. But enough of that. Let's start playing and we'll see how far we get tonight. So last time we began with you all trapped aboard the remains of the London or the Liverpool to London train that mysteriously disappeared in 1897. We heard about this as a thing kind of here and there in the past. There was an infamous occultist that was associated with the train, Mr. Randolph Alexis, and he supposedly died on that crash 26 years ago. But as you all were magically summoned this thing using a toy train set, uh, you discovered that not only were the passengers still there, but kind of, um, kind of zombie-like in a way. Some, Mr. Randolph Alexis, uh, was, uh, was actually quite coherent, uh, and he was aboard, and he actually helped you all uh, as you were trying to escape some of these passengers, but he was not in a great state. He believed that not a whole lot of time had, had passed uh, in the real world. Uh, he had like a, that little notation where he thought like maybe 13 years or so had passed, but in yeah. fact, it was 26. And uh, you also discovered Henry Stanley, your friend. Well, not necessarily your friend, the friend of Professor Smith, the friend of Reginald Abernathy, uh, who did not, in fact, spontaneously combust as was assumed, uh, but instead had gone through the same sort of summoning ritual that you all had gone through. Uh, he was growing increasingly terrified of Randolph Alexis uh, because he discovered these gnawed upon remains of what we would learn is Randolph's son, uh, which was in one of the staterooms. Uh, this did not sit well with Grigory Kozel, as you might expect. Uh, Randolph, fortunately, had been working on a way to get you all back to the real world or get the train back to the real world using the same sort of circuit ritual that got you all here. Uh, but there was a problem that he couldn't quite figure out. Uh, and I think it was Joseph and Reginald who were able to determine what that problem was. And that was because he wasn't accounting for like the 3d perspective. There's no elevation in the track. And even though you didn't actually have a track, you did have stretched out intestines and a rancid heart. Uh, and you could use that to sort of mimic the circuit, uh, that the train would take Tidwell, as Jeremy has already mentioned, was the one who did this and was just playing around with a rancid heart in this nasty fashion while this happened. All these different passengers, those crazed passengers, found a way to, to get onto the passenger car and attack. So they were coming in through the windows. They were coming in uh, from the roof. They are coming in from the back, uh, the back passageway. 
Uh, and you all kind of fought. And, for, and it almost looked at one point like Koko, like Kozo was going to kind of fall out into the, yeah. into, get pulled out into the, the gray. Uh, but fortunately, you were all able to save him. Uh, you held off the passengers long enough for Tidwell to finish that, uh, that, that summoning ritual. And just like that, you were all back in the English countryside. Well, actually, not initially. You all had come from London, but you were in the English countryside. And you were on hard, actual uh, train track again. You heard a whistle. Uh, and you knew like all, like there was another train on the track that was barreling down at you all. All of the passengers started getting weird. Some of them just kind of fell to the ground. Randolph started to age like right in front of you all. Uh, and so all of you kind of jumped off. You jumped off. The passengers stayed behind. Randolph jumped. Uh, Henry Stanley jumped. And the rest of you jumped. The trains collided, created this big old derailment, this explosion. You all fled the scene. Uh, with uh, with Henry, Henry Stanley and with Randolph Alexis, you found a village called Flit, uh, Flitwick. Uh, you got some room and board. Uh, you negotiated a, a, a ride, a carriage ride back to London for the next day. But during the night, turns out that Randolph's age or health had failed. And you found his body in the bed uh, where you had left him the night before. Uh, you decided to bring the body with you on your return trip to London. Got to London and then you left the body in Cillian uh, at the hospital uh, to answer questions about why you are carrying this old dead man's body with you, uh, and we're going to hear what uh, what Adam came up with for that. Uh, and then you realize a couple days had passed. The rest of you went back to your hotels. It's January 6th. It's Saturday. You saw some interesting newspaper reports, the things that were popping up either uh, from people who were reading it or from like newsboys who were selling, uh, selling copies of the Times on the street. Two things, two newspapers two newspaper articles stood out. One was a man who died three times in one night. Uh, the name was Mehmet Makriat and the name of, uh, the Crescent treasury place that you all had burglarized just a few days earlier. Uh, he's apparently the owner of that place. You also saw something more personal that professor Julius Smith, uh, your friend, your dear friend, his home burned down. He was missing and Beddoes was wanted and his manservant was wanted for questioning. Uh, and authorities are kind of concerned about the professor's safety. Tidwell, you got a tap on the shoulder. You turned around. There was, there was a bellhop. Had a message for you. It had the wax seal of Professor Smith, uh, his signet ring that he wore on one of his hands. Uh, and it was a, a card, the calling card of uh, Professor Smith, including a note for you to come at once. Don't be followed. Bring your friends. This is very urgent. And he gave you an address to a fairly crappy neighborhood, uh, a cheap side address, uh, and that is, uh, that's basically where we're ended. So it's going to be, we'll start up. It's early evening uh, on Saturday. It's sunset. So it's nearly dark. Gregory and Pema, you're together. Joseph, Reggie, you're together. Uh, Cillian, you're by yourself. So let's start off with a couple of things. First of all, we don't have to play the whole thing out, Adam. But what story do you concoct for the cops and for the, the doctors who start asking you questions uh, about this body? Well, um, first off, what was the weather like? Uh, cold. Um, I would say a mist, misty rain, not a heavy rain, but a misty rain. Mm -hmm. uh, seems to be the evening. Okay. Well, he would say something about um, how he was seeing a client who has a, uh, who has a getaway cabin uh, in the countryside. And uh, um, uh, during that point in time, we heard uh, a, a ruckus and okay. um in order to put her at ease i would go and investigate 
and I saw the wreckage and um, saw the old man um, who was on his last breath. Okay. Uh, When, okay. When they ask you who he is, do you have any identifying, because, you know, you didn't have any papers or anything on him. Do you have any identifying uh, papers for him? Do you know who he is? Do you have an identity for him? No, I uh, um, I play dumb on all that. I just uh, uh, say, well, I, I didn't really see anything on him. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, and uh, when they ask if, like, you you know, any do you have any relation to him? Is it somebody you know? Is it somebody you or your client would know? Do you give a name for your client or anything like that? Uh, my my profession requires the utmost indiscretion. Okay. And so, uh, if they had known each other, then I wouldn't know because. Uh, you know, any names, if she was to talk about her personal life, is my husband or my son or, you know. Okay. Uh, so if if I have a relation to him, it would be pretty far-fetched, seeing as how we don't look very much alike. Okay. Uh, I'll, let's say, give me a persuasion roll, a persuade roll. Uh, okay. And uh, this is really just to kind of finish finish without having to get into too much they're going to do the classic mm-hmm. don't leave town we have if we have follow-up questions that sort of thing but just to kind of get out of their hair for tonight mm-hmm. like make this be satis- like a satisfactory and that you don't get pulled into and in, in, in kind of down to the station and in, going through any any kind of more intense scrutiny so this is to kind of get that out of the way so for world persuade test and okay. we have a very generous audience and we have plenty of uh, bonuses for what do, uh, how do we 10. do that gives you plus 10 okay um sure i'll do that uh all right okay nope and even even at a 60 that that won't do it it was normally 50 so you can spend 14 luck if you like to make that a pass yeah yeah i don't want to uh okay tie the investigation up with me getting investigated sure uh, so the, we'll say like, basically what, what mostly happens is you're at the hospital for a, a, a not insignificant period of time where the hospital, the hospital staff's asking you questions. You're in kind of an administrative room. Eventually cops arrive. They're asking you very rudimentary, you know, routine questions. It's an old man. He, he certainly looks like the type of, type of man who could, uh, who could pass. There wasn't anything on the initial look uh that might have suggested foul play um but as no one really knows who this man is no one really knows like you know in the state of the the situation in which he was he was found they might do more investigation to try to identify him uh so they take your they're going to take your information uh no i have a card available here and okay so you give them your your proper professional Mm -hmm. business card okay okay and they will thank you for your your time. We're going to say it's all going to take several hours. And so by the time you're done, it's nighttime. Like you were left kind of in the afternoon and it's been hours that you've been spent at the hospital. Okay. So for now, you are out of harm's way with that. Let's cut over then uh, to Pema and Grigori first. Uh, Pema and Grigori, you've got this newspaper article in front of you. You see these different folks who are reading you see this this newspaper article that talks about a man who apparently died three times in one night or at least three men died and they all kind of had the same name or something like that is sort of where we're at um 
And the name doesn't sound familiar. You're not sure like a the Mehmet Makriat doesn't doesn't sound familiar. But when you read it, you notice it, you know, uh, Islington, you know, you notice uh, the name of the Crescent Treasury. You even notice that the Crescent Treasury was recently burglarized, as mentioned in the newspaper. And those are all things that you would probably be familiar with. Did you do anything with this? I mean, other than the fact that this is caught up in whatever wild shenanigans are caught up with that train. I mean, this is who had the train before. I I, I would have thought that we would have ruled out the store. It seemed at, at first that he was just sort of the middleman of where the train had been delivered to and bought from, but yeah. I, I do not immediately have hypotheses as to how the same person dies three times. In the article, is there listings of where the deaths are? Um, like, just what information do we have on those? Okay, so uh, if you look on the main page there, there's a hand. Like, I got, like, those three blue links there. I think you should be yeah. able to. Wasn't it, like, all in the same room? Like, it was right. three men so, that were stabbed that all oh, had the same description the, of the same Chelsea name. Arms Hotel was where the bodies were found. Each had been stabbed through the heart. Uh each one had positive identification as Mr. Mehmet Makriat. All of them had the same to, had ID to be the same person, but there were three different people. The room at the Chelsea Arms Hotel was registered in the name of Mr. Makriat. So all of that and all the papers from what they could tell were bona fide. Um, it's got some basic details about Makriat. He was a Turkish antiques dealer, owner of the Crescent Treasury, et cetera, et cetera. All of the victims bear superficial resemblances and apparently had been passing as Mr. Macriot since being arriving in London. Uh, but that's really all of the details that are given about the crime. Yeah, the only things that were different about the men is that their passports showed different travel. So they all were killed the same way, they all looked the same way, but each of their passports seemed to show different travels that they had been on over the last few years. I do very much appreciate the last line in that article uh, that Scotland Yard is eager uh, to converse with any other Mehmet Macriat still living. That's called right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, We might want to see if there are any others living to talk to ourselves. So I'm going to say yeah. that as the two of you are discussing this, maybe you have your own copy of the paper at this point. You're mm-hmm. maybe in the lobby. You're kind of going through it. As you're flipping around, seeing if there's extra information, that's when you turn over and you see kind of on the back, on, the, on a back page, not as, you know, not as, uh, as, as large, not as prominent on the page itself. We'll say at this point is when the two of you notice it. And we'll, we'll cut to, to Joseph with this in a second. We cut to the other newspaper uh, article of interest, which is Professor's Home Burns. Uh, fears for his safety. Professor Julius Arthur Smith, figure well-known in academia, was sought today following the burning of his St. John's Woods home under mysterious circumstances. And we'll cut back to Joseph Tidwell, who has a, who him and Reginald have a copy of that paper. They're looking at it. But Joseph, you have this other piece of information in your hand. Calling card of Julius Smith. A message to come at once, not be followed, etc. The bellhop is kind of hand out awaiting a tip <laughs> kind of looking at you what do you do i give him a tip i give him a generous tip and i say thank you sir 
takes it, he pockets it, he gives you a kind of a courteous nod and kind of tip of the cap and he moves away. Uh, so you're in the lobby. It is uh, it is dinner time, so it's actually becoming a little bit um, a little bit busy as people are coming and going. Some people are dressed up nicely as they're heading out for a restaurant. You can see many people have like winter coats on or they have mm. uh, they're awaiting uh, inside the lobby for for kind of a pickup on the outside. There's probably a restaurant in the hotel as well where you can probably see people uh, people uh, eating and music being played. Uh, but you and Reginald are here uh, and you have this this card. Uh, and you're kind of standing in the middle of this very busy, somewhat loud lobby. What do you want to All do, right. Joseph? Reginald, time is of the essence. I'd love to go, just you and I, but I think we need the others. And he, uh, no, he, he, he'll agree. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I would imagine, we don't need to you know, get too crazy with this. I would imagine all of you would probably have uh, let everyone else know. <laughs> Uh, how to contact each other, right? That's fair enough. I would imagine there's phone calls to the lobbies of each of the other hotels. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll say, if that's the case, Pema, we'll say maybe that's something that Pema does when immediately when you see this this news article. And as the bellhop moves around uh, from the, uh, moves, you know, takes the tip, goes back to the uh, to the desk, you're standing there with Reginald. The two of you are coming up with a plan, Joseph. You feel another tap on the shoulder, and it's the bellhop again. And he says, ah, Mr. Mr. Tidwell, sir, you have a, a phone call at the desk. I'm a popular man today. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. And he holds out his hand again. Kid, I admire your gumption. Here you go. <laughs> so just reduce your credit rating by 10. But we'll okay. say you go over. <laughs> you know, just kidding. You go over to the, you're the phone. Uh, there is a, there's a small phone. There's not a ton of privacy on the phone call here, but you're kind of off to the side a little bit. There's still a lot of noise in the lobby and you hear the voice of Pema on the phone. So the two of you can take it away. Uh, Mr. Tidwell. Yes. Pema. Good to hear your voice. Things are crazy. They indeed. Have you seen this newspaper article about uh, Professor Smith's home? I have. In fact, I wanted to find you. We need to be on the move. I have a location that we need to go to. I don't want to talk too much here in a crowded place because I don't know how to control the volume of my voice. You, you, you really do struggle with that, Mister Tidwell. I do. Where, uh, Mister Kozel and I can uh, meet you. Uh, where? How about you stay put? Fantastic. Okay. I'm. What? How? How did you come to new information? Never mind. Your voice. Your voice carries. Never mind. Indeed, oh. it carries. I'm gonna get some food. I'm famished. Uh. So, um, Mister okay. Kozel. Yes. Uh, it appears that Mr. Tidwell has already picked up a new uh, tip for us. That's fantastic. I have absolutely no idea to, what to do with the multiple deaths of the same man. So hopefully he can point us in a direction. I, I'm much more worried about uh, Mr. Smith's home and the safety of Fettos. Uh, myself, personally, no, no offense. If I had to, to take a pick, I agree with that, Mr. <laughs> Smith. I mean... At, at yeah. this point, there are, have already been uh, three Mr. Macriots that have already died, so there may be another Hopefully one out there yeah. doing just fine. There must be plenty of spares. Okay. We'll then fast forward to Pema and Grigori showing up at the hotel for Joseph Tidwell and Reginald Abernathy, who are already uh, eating uh, just fine. Uh, and we'll say, just for ease, we'll say at this point, Cillian, who just so happens to have a hotel in the same place as Joseph and, uh, and, and Reginald comes sauntering in, 
to the uh, to the lobby, uh, a little bit uh, worn out from a few hours worth of questioning. Uh, but Sidley, you will see as you're passing through the lobby, you look off into the restaurant and you can see that there are your your compatriots eating away. Uh, I'm already on my second serving tray. As you approach, I slide the card underneath the serving tray so that I can subtly slide it over to you and you can look at it. Okay. So just to, I'll go ahead and share it again with you all in case you uh, in case you haven't uh, in case you've forgotten. So what you see is so it's kind of a two twofold thing. There's an envelope with a, a wax seal that's got the signet ring of of Smith, but the inside is his calling card, and it's just his calling card. So there's front and back to look at. So the front is the normal information you'd see himself. You know, his contact information, his telephone, University of London, his his home location in St. John's Woods, etc. Uh, on the on the front written is a is an address for 147 Cheapside. And on the back, there's a note. Come at once. I haven't long. Bring our other friends. For God's sake, let no one follow you. J.A. Smith. That sounds urgent. Yeah, so it appears we need to go. I trust that you took care of everything, Mr. Bengura? Oh, yes. Yes, uh, they were reasonably suspicious, uh, particularly with the man of my profession. But I use that to my advantage. Understood. Uh, far, far better than me to have that uh, conversation with them, I it does appear, though, we've tarried long enough. He does say, uh, come at once. Indeed. Well, take all the fun out of it, then. Okay. couple okay. questions I want to ask. Did, have you all changed? Are you still in the same clothes that you were? I mean, Tidwell, you were. You still had the Victorian garb still set up. The, did, have you all, like, gone through, changed, and freshened we up at all? hotel, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got a new outfit. Okay. Fresh, smell what I would... like lilacs and lavender. And <laughs> I'm amazing. Okay. Wow. I want to make sure that Let's... I have an outfit that contains a hat and a jacket so that I can continuously change my profile as we move about. Sometimes the hat will be on, sometimes off. Sometimes okay. collar up, sometimes collar down. Sometimes jacket on, sometimes off. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, and what about Pema and Cillian? Have you, uh, will you take, you take the time to change? <clears throat> yes. Yeah, Cillian is quite vain, so he he will do that because he was looking rather worn out. And then the next question is, in terms of travel, we don't have to get into like two specifics of it. I don't really care too much, but more along the lines of, are we uh, are we taking a cab? Does someone own a car? Does like are we like how 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 do you want to travel there? How do we know like the time uh that it would take to get us from where we're at to the we'll say you're up. relatively centralized with your hotel so it's probably not yeah. too far away uh so you're you're going to Cheapside, so it might be something in the neighborhood of like a 30 minute to 45 minute drive or so okay. to where you're headed uh i would opt for taxi or public transport um Public transport sounds like it would be better that way. Blend in with the crowd. Um, and on their 
way there. Uh, maybe we take some care to keep an eye out, make sure no one's following us. Maybe we uh, stop yeah. short of where we actually intend to go. I like Do that. a last little bit on foot. I like that idea. So what you're saying is to keep an eye out for, for a tail. Yes. Of course. And nobody knows how to watch tail like you. That's true. <laughs> okay. I was wondering where that was going. Well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, okay. So if that's the case, it's fine. You, you, we will say you get a, a, a late night you can probably coordinate with somebody at the hotel a late night transport uh it is it is getting later in the night uh so it is it is dark it is cold uh it is january still winter time uh there is a light mist uh, to the point where the streets are kind of foggy uh and there's a slight rain coming down but nothing nothing to the point where you're being drenched uh not snow uh but kind of a, a cold cold wet bit mist um to the point where you get out when you get out of the car uh, a few blocks away in this cheap side neighborhood uh, you can kind of feel the wind just kind of cut through like this cold wind almost kind of whistles at a certain point as it kind of cuts through uh, whoever was looking for a tail uh, if that's silly and go ahead and roll a spot hidden test <laughs> all right let's see what happens you can do it gotta mine those, those oh rules. my gosh oh Jesus. Oh, wow. Call that's it out. A, I don't see it. That's a hundred. Oh, <laughs> I love the devil skulls. That's yeah. just great. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. Uh, oh, okay. you mean that sort of tail? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. So, I have a fish, but I don't have a tail. Well, I do have a times. weird, strange, ridgy thing that kind of protrudes a little bit, but that's a whole other story. So, multiple times, Cillian. Yeah. You... You get the feeling that there is a vehicle that you've seen at least three or four times now. Like you can tell it, it's got kind of this crack in uh, the windshield that is very prominent. And you see it on one street, but then it turns off. And then you see it on the next street, but then it turns off. And then you see it again, it turns off. And more than once you see along the side of the street as you kind of hop out of the car you see all these different folks kind of milling about, uh, some of whom are drunkards, some of whom are panhandlers. Uh, a few are kind of limping around, almost like some are missing legs or arms. And at least three, maybe four times, you, you when you look over, you catch them staring at you. Like your eyes just kind of lock for a moment. And then at the last second, they'll dart away as if they're trying to hide the fact that they were watching you. I see that vehicle. That one has been using different roads than us, but still going the same direction. There's no possible reason why any car would go along one particular route while still not using this road. Don't you think? Seems fishy in the fact that we were told not to be followed. And say, is a Mr. Tidwell, is there something on my uh, jacket? Uh, as one of those people who were looking at me and like looks away, say, is there something on my jacket? And so if you call out to them, we'll say they're maybe 10, 15 feet away, and they kind of look up, and you can see their eyes kind of, like one of them is a little lazy, takes an extra second to move. They kind of squint down and look at you. They have a, a, 
a scraggly beard. You can even see there's little tiny little icicles that are starting to form. They have kind of this heavy coat. And you see underneath it, it's almost like a uniform. And they look up at you and they say, Don't know what you're saying there. I wasn't looking at you, but while we're talking, spare, spare a man a penny. Give me a man a, a warm meal, maybe. And you kind of, you see him start to hop over in your direction. Hop. Hop. And you realize that, like, when you look at it, when you look at him kind of as he's moving over this, this big old blanket over top of him, he's kind of dragging his leg behind him. And it's not a leg, but you can just see it's like this wooden peg that's just dragging in the, in sort of the street. Uh, and you can see it's kind of creating this screeching sound, like, as he moves up. Of course, my, uh, my apologies, I... I thought you were looking at me as if I had hair out of place or, um, uh, you know, didn't wipe my mouth after eating or something on my jacket. As I hand him exactly what he asked for, a penny. He reaches, he reaches his, both his hands out and he kind of grabs yours. And you can see, like, a few of them are missing above the knuckle. Like, he's missing, like, half a finger here or there. And he kind of holds onto your hand really closely and he kind of pulls you into, like, well, it's not so often we get folks... Like you in this sort of neighborhood. Oh, dressed to the nines. Something we might be able to help you with. Uh, Perhaps no, you lost? No. no, we do know where we're going, but, uh, you know. I, <coughs> I appreciate the offer, anyway. You can mm. help me feel better about myself by being willing to take a swig of this flask. Warm yourself up. It looks over at you, kind of eyes you up and down. You've got a socially look to you. It kind of starts hopping over in your direction now. Reaches out, his hands kind of shaking, looking to grab the grab the bottle or the, the flask. And he takes a nice swig. <clears throat> Make it a solid double or triple. It's cold out. He kind of looks at you a little like suspiciously, like like. He's not used to be people being nice to him. Yeah. Really? I think it takes a second. It's not often you meet somebody uglier than you, is it? I wasn't going to say anything, but you do have a interesting look to you, sir. Exactly. From one freak survivor to another. Happy holidays. Happy. I mean, it's January. It's too late. Lady, Happy I New suppose. Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. One New Year's the same as the last. Well, thank you. Kindly. Madam. Sir, is there anything we should be on the lookout for this evening? You seem like you've got a nose for who comes and goes around here. Um, Make a charm test. Oh, dear. Oh, and you can do it with a bonus dear. die because of Joseph's and Cillian's kind uh, generosity. Uh, so does that mean when I've got a die, I'm doing an extra tens, right? And then extra tens die. Where we'll it lands. Okay. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> My term is a 15. Uh, and the lowest I rolled was a uh, 62. So, okay. yeah, there's not enough. I don't even have enough luck to make that work. Sure. Uh, he uh, he looks at you. Usual uh, 
pickpockets and ne'er-do-wells. And he smiles, but you can see he's only got maybe four or five teeth that seem to still have any amount of white left to them. But he smiles and he says, uh, watch your purses. And you, you fancy lads might want to keep an eye out as well. More than a few uh, ne'er-do-wells in these parts who might uh, take a liking to you. Mm. There's I appreciate also, the warnings. Uh, rats. So many of them. Careful of the dark. Mm. Alleyways uh, rife with them. There's cats mm-hmm. here and there, but not nearly enough. It's the fleas that's the real problem. The rats, they're good eats. But the fleas... Starts scratching his beard. They get to you. I'm grateful I don't have hair. Meanwhile, above board, not that I don't love this conversation, but I'm going to make sure to watch this guy's eye lines to make sure if he looks into any particular shadows as he's warning us to look out for things. Maybe try to size him up a little bit. Uh, sure. Uh, you can do, I don't know, spot hidden. You could do... Um, Maybe psychology? I'll take a or... psychology. Sure, if you're trying to like get the sense of him. Yeah. Yeah. Yes! Okay. Uh, so that's a pass. 26? Okay, so you do notice as he's saying that, his eyes do start drifting down this very dark alleyway. There's not a lot of light here, by the way. There's a stray candle in a window, uh, but you don't see, like, the. it looks like whoever's tending to street lamps on this street uh, hasn't been doing so. Uh, and all that's really left is just an occasional orange glow and it is very late as well so it's much darker here uh, but his eyes do kind of look and kind of linger for a bit as he watches and then they kind of come back to you in this sort of crazed wide-eyed look and almost as if he's surprised he just got caught staring and he like kind of quickly looks away well we thank you for your time and he hands back the uh the flask and the hands kind of shaking you know a what? bit that's yours buddy is he i thought it was yours not he anymore kind of looks it's confused. nothing fancy oh a gift very kind a very kind man on occasion kind of nods a bit and just starts hopping backwards here and there and you see him just sort of like slowly disappear into the shadows of the street until you no longer see him but you can still hear like the drag hop drag and just kind of slowly disappears well gentlemen it would appear that perhaps we should take a lap or two I look about for that car uh, at this point, we'll say this conversation has gone on long enough that you don't see any cars anymore. Okay. Uh, you do see there's a handful of folks here and there on the street, some of them leaning up against a building, some of them standing up on a stoop, a few of them we smoking must, a cigarette, but... We must have lost the tail. I don't see the car anymore. I will say there's something over in that direction that seemed to have him awfully perturbed. Should we check it out before we uh, enter 127? I think so. 
have a tendency to prefer to check things out before they're behind me. I agree. Apologies. One, four, seven is our okay. place. Follow so, the shadows. This seems wise. You head down into this, uh, this alleyway that was getting his attention. And it's between two um, really, relatively run-down kind of apartment buildings, sitting room buildings. Not too dissimilar to what Henry Stanley stayed in, but in far worse condition. And you can tell that some of the windows have been just purely boarded up. Others are covered. Only one or two have lights in them, and they're usually the second or third story. So, so the ground floor is very, very dark. But as you as you kind of move into the street, you hear a voice uh, kind of slowly, like kind of carefully echoing kind of down from the far edge of the alleyway. And as your eyes start to adjust, you can see on the far end under what looks like an actual streetlight, there is a man uh, who's probably at this point maybe 100, and 100, 100 feet away or so who seems to be standing atop a milk carton. And you can see he's sort of swaying on top of it. And he's just like shouting out various, like a preacher, like a street preacher, just shouting out various, uh, various, you know, various uh, passages here and there. Um, between him and you, you can see that there's an occasional nook or cranny uh, where like the sort of the irregular buildings themselves kind of create all these little hiding spots. And you hear like the crack of glass or you hear the shuffle of trash. But when you kind of, let your eyes adjust. You peek into these shadows. You don't see any large movement. You don't see any people moving around. But you see what looks like this cat just starts kind of like hopping up on top of a windowsill. Then it like does that classic cat too high leap up to like the second story and kind of peers down in your direction. And you hear the same thing happen on the other side. The, gla- you know, the glass starts to shatter and you look over and you see the shadow of a, of a cat just like scrambling across and after like a moment or two, you notice that there's probably about a half a dozen cats of various shades, all kind of sh- right on top of you, essentially looking down from maybe 15 feet above, kind of staring at you. And they are all staring at you. Hmm. You know, I hunted a lot of things and um, that's messed up. I'm going to stick my arm up to see if one of them wants to hop out of my arm. Uh, okay. Uh, roll uh, animal handling, I think, is a thing, right? Isn't there an animal? Uh, there probably is. Animal is. I was looking for it. <clears throat> uh, if not, anything that sounds animal related, uh, I'll take. Yeah, or I don't even know. just I like a, a of... charm. Yeah, I don't have that. All I have Natural is... world? Uh, no, that's more like... Uh, Hmm. There's, there's, hmm. I just do a charm or something like that. It's fine. Okay. Uh, oh, there is an animal handling skill. I oh, thought there was. It, yeah. What's it under? Yeah. Uh, let's see. It's showing as. Oh, I have no idea. It might not be. It might not be this skill. era. It might not be this era. Mm-hmm. There's okay. different eras. So I'll just Charm's do charm, charm which charm. I'm terrible at. Perfect. <laughs> no. Uh. So. As you kind of hold your hand out and you, you know, do your classic, like, you know, cat sounds, like, something like that, you see one of them kind of perks up. Its eyes grow wide and yellow as it kind of looks down at you. And you see it begin to 
so to start to stroll and it's you think it's contemplating actually hopping down but right as it's about to do so you hear a loud crash and you look down the alleyway and you see that the street preacher has fallen down ass over tea kettle his head's kind of in the ground he's kind of slouched his legs are sticking up he's almost upside down and he's still got this kind of fiery kind of preacher thing. But you see these little street urchins just suddenly appear from the shadows from the sides of the alleyway and just start stripping him of all these different things, going through his coats and clothes, pulling out this and that. And you can and he's like screaming out. One of them kicks him in the head and then they disappear just as quickly as they were gone, leaving him essentially upside down. And you well, look that back won't up, do. We must help him. And so Puma I... wants to kind of go towards the... I yeah, no, upside down preacher man. Yeah. And when you look back up, Joseph, you see the cat has now changed its mind and decided not to jump down. Is it just is sitting down here now? I understand. Most of us are assholes. I wouldn't come down here either. So, Pema, kids. <laughs> Pema and Gregory, you go down the street uh, to help out the man. Joseph, yeah. Cillian, are you doing anything? Cillian uh, is uh, starting to become paranoid. Like he's continuing to look around because you know this this seems very very like out of place mm-hmm. the cats really got him out of out of sorts particularly when you know he could have swore there was a tail mm-hmm. uh Cillian, you turn around to look to see if you're being followed and you see about 10 feet behind you right at the entrance way to the alleyway that you all came down there's a very large cat just sitting there staring at you eyes wide its head kind of off to the side just staring directly at you i'll uh walk i'll step a little bit closer to it and then i'll slowly close my eyes and slowly open them again you open it up and it's there but this time it's stood up now it's no longer sitting you can see it's now standing its head is turned off to the other side now hmm what do you want, a little one? Well, you're bigger than most. It's its head so. again, kind of cocked to the side. Uh, like, fingers, fingers backwards. I'll extend my hand so that it could smell it. Nose will kind of go, and it'll kind of sniff, and then it'll kind of look up at you. And I'll tell you, Cillian, if it, it's you're very good with people, and a cat is a different story, and they're hard to mm-hmm. read sometimes, but. It looks, it's like it's looking at you as though you are acting strangely. Like, it's like looking up like, what, what, what is wrong with you? Like this judgmental gaze, like, are, are you okay? Hmm. Well, I'll look around elsewhere to see just what else is going on as this animal hasn't reacted like what I'm used to typical sure. cats doing. So Gregory and Pima have made it down to the other side of the uh, street now, and you can see this preacher is on the ground. Uh, their head, so they're, th- imagine them kind of like inverted, his head's on the ground, and he's kind of, his legs are kind of up above, kind of leaning against the wall where he kind of stumbled into. And he's just like, and he's just sort of still trying to spout like random Bible passages here and there, uh, fire and brimstone stuff. Uh, but then sees you all coming, 
And he says, hey, give a give us a hand, will you? Could yeah, that yeah I got you. And I'll help haul him up. You kind of pull him up and he kind of does a little hiccup and breathes right into your face. And he smells worse of booze than the other guy that you met on the other side of the street. Yeah, that sounds right. John kids. Do us a favor. And he just kind of starts putting his hands on your chest at this point. Do us a favor. Do us a favor. You're a big, big man. Go find him and give him a lesson or two, will you? Just that, a, a quick one. Give my that, stuff back. That I can absolutely do. Yeah. Good lad. Quick. Good lad. And he just starts Which, like, uh, on the side. Well, you, you, you preach out here quite a bit. Where at? Can I find these kids? Well, I preach right uh, wherever the Lord sends me. And you can find them anywhere around here. They are infesting the whole block. Worse than the rats they are. Because the cats won't eat them. The cats will eat the rats, but they won't eat the kids. And the kids are the biggest pest of them all. That's I don't they know are. if you know this, but the, the general order of operations where it comes, uh, kids generally aren't on the menu for these kind of cats. Maybe that might be true. Maybe indeed. But someone's got to do something. And I think you're the man. Look at you. You're like a, you're a hero in the making. You've you, got this wrong jaw. You know, the hand of God has come me. down. My dear, dear friend, I will do as you say and do what the cats will not. Excuse me now. I'm going to go eat all of those children, and I'll just turn and walk off. That's a good lad. And he just kind of slaps okay. back against the wall and starts to slide back down. Price beta he. Pem is just going to look at him and, and just sort of just kind of shake her head a bit. Sir, you should really find some pants. I would love to find some pants, but the the kids took them. Why do they need a grown man's pants? Oh, yeah. Well, they took them. I don't know. Perhaps if you uh, get yourself some uh, something to eat and uh, perhaps uh, skip the cups tomorrow, you might be able to keep track of your own pants. Are you uh, providing some alms then? So that I might go ahead and purchase some food. Yeah. <sighs> and Pema will flip him a coin. He'll go to reach out and get it. But as he does, you notice like his arm reaches out, out from underneath kind of like this 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 too short cloth. And you notice like this horrible scar down his forearm. Just like 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 a chunk of his arm like his forearm is missing. But he reaches up nonetheless and kind of grabs it and he pulls it in. Thank you, man. God bless you. Enjoy your evening in the fine streets of Chief Sword. Uh there a story behind that there, uh preacher? And she'll kind of gesture towards his arm. Oh yes. I took some shrapnel in the wall. And I almost made it so they had to take the whole arm. But I was blessed. And I only took a portion. I 
I see. I can't quite Sweet. make a fist anymore. And if I could, I would use it to bait some sense into them, them urchin kids who keep stealing my stuff. Well, does seem like you've had some hard years, so get some food in your stomach with that. I wish you a better tomorrow. Indeed. Thank you, madam. God bless you. And he's like, I'm going to get roll on it. And he just starts to slide further down the wall until he plops on the ground. Pem is going to look around and see where Mr. Kozo got to, knowing he's not going to. Uh, Very. Merchant. <laughs> no, I'm not. Just a few <laughs> feet. I was walking slow enough so I could still keep an ear on what was going on. I was hoping that if this man was up to something foolish, the comment about eating children would get some sort of reaction, but... I think he's just a drunk. It's, it would appear, a uh, war veteran like our friend Mr. Tidwell. Yes. Uh, also, I know they're having fun playing with those cats down there, but I really think we should get going. I'd, I would agree. It's quite the interesting corner of London that we find ourselves in. You look back yeah. and there's this like, a half a dozen cats that are all above Tidwell. They're like on like a land, like like the like some sort of lintel above, like a, above Tidwell, like looking down. They won't pop down. But they're all kind of almost like, almost like they're harassing him. Like, yeah, <coughs> yeah, <coughs> yeah. Uh, and the one has been very affectionate. Is probably overstating it, but has been very polite to you. But as the rest of them, as Grigori and Pema come back, you can see at this point it kind of stops, looks down the alleyway, and then just with a quick spring, hops up onto the wall and starts kind of climbing up these nooks until it's up and away. These are very strange animals indeed. Also, humans and the animals are interesting in these parts. Mm. Well, have we assured ourselves that we've not been followed at this point I, I think we have been but I'm not sure where they went off to we don't see well, them anymore if they wanted to watch us uh, speak to some drunk preachers and some cats and all of the rest of it I should hope that they've on about other things at this point. Look and around. We'll try to get back to looking for the address. Mm-hmm. Look around for that car again. Okay. Still no sign of the car. You yeah. do see a group of people on the street a ways down. You can hear the vague sound of like singing uh, and people kind of stumbling about. Uh, it's a very, it's, you know, a good 150 feet or so away. Some very colorful clothing as you can see them coming in and out of like a light here or there. Uh, but you don't see any any actual cars. Uh, Pema, wa- go ahead. I'm sorry. Those wassos look suspicious, though. Do we want to check them out before we find the address as well? Everything around here looks suspicious. Well, this I assume is no. The fewer people we talk to, the less chance we invite to be followed. I know I'm not really following my own advice earlier, but. Fair point. 
if those uh, wassailers, as you say, Cillian, come back to uh, hamper our progress, we will have known better. Yes, maybe we should go before here they come, a wassailing. A wassailing along. Uh, everyone roll a sand test. <laughs> all right you are <laughs> you are so so if you look for the if you look for the, the room it's not hard to find you have the address you're just a couple buildings away uh 147 uh it's sort of like an it's up a flight uh, so it's like second story essentially uh second level of the building and when you enter the building it's it's not you can tell like it's it's a very run down place and but it's very dark and it's very cold on the inside uh there's no kind of grand lobby the way your hotels and there's not even like a nice uh like sitting room uh the way there was inside henry stanley's apartment uh however you know you are able to without a whole lot of difficulty find the stairs you work your way up and you kind of over to 147 there's no activity whatsoever in the building. Like you don't hear any sounds, uh, maybe the stray sound of like the wind and a shutter, but you don't hear voices of any kind. You don't see anyone else in the lobby. You don't see anybody else on in the hallway. Nothing like that. It's all very dark. Uh, but I'm assuming one of you've got like a Zippo or something like that. You can, or lighter or whatever it might be, um, or match something. Uh, but you're able to find the door. Is it fair to guess that maybe at some point during the time that I served with Beddoes during the war, we maybe have some sort of particular knock that we might share that he would know if I were to do that as I rap upon the door? I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, so what would that sound like? It's, of course, shaving a haircut two bits. Okay. Tittle's so not terribly original. Do you do you wait? Do you do the two bits or do you wait for the other person to do the two bits? I wait for the other person. Okay, so you do the start. Shave and the haircut. And then there's all pause. You hear the sounds of like the creaking of floorboards. Uh, you hear what sounds like, like someone walking close. You even feel the floorboards themselves kind of sink. And then you hear on the door and it slowly opens. Uh, and you see the, what almost looks like uh, an a somewhat aged face of Beddoes. Now Beddoes is older than you, not quite mm-hmm. as old as as old as, as Smith. Uh, he's probably late forties, early fifties. Distinguished man, uh, soldier, uh, in more than more than one war, and he's and he's been with 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 Smith for quite some time. But you all did the two of you did serve together. But you can tell just by looking at him that he has just his his face. He he looks concerned. He looks tired. His hair is slightly disheveled, which for Beddoes is quite disheveled. And you can tell as he pulls the door open that his hands are bandaged. And he looks at you and concern on his face. Uh, and he kind of peeks around and he sees the rest of you. And he opens it a little bit further and he says, Come in quickly. Good of you to come. Of course. I hate to say it. I know you keep yourself tipped up. But you're close to giving me a run for the money on that ugly mug years. It's been a difficult few days. I'm You'll sorry see. to hear that. 
I'm in much better shape than the professor. Come in. So in will like wait for everyone else and then before he enters in he'll look around. Okay. Uh sure. Roll you can you can do another spot hidden if you like. Would you like an extra bonus from the audience? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna need it. So that that's a ten. And nah, still not gonna do it. Okay, you you see a shadow out of the corner of your eye, the far end of the hallway, but it quickly dissipates. You don't see any you don't see what it would have caused it, but you do see a shadow. I believe that I, I I enter in and close the door and I say I think we have been followed to uh Grigori. I I'm certain. Yes. Well, let's come and post up on either side of the door. Uh, real quick, I will push my ear against the door to see if I hear anyone approaching. Okay, uh, you can roll a spot hidden if you like. Okay. Or actually, no, there. I think there's a listening uh, skill. Now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, there's listen. You can there listen. is listen. I do not have it. Uh, there is a default. I think it might default to like 20 or something like that. Just, just to do. Where are you, Grigori? Uh, I just added it. You added it? I think it defaults to 20. Yeah, it did. Okay. Yeah. I don't hear anything. You hear a creak. You hear no. the wind. You don't hear any voices or anything like that other than the ones inside the apartment. Sounds so, clear enough at the moment, but let's you and I stand on either side of the door while we attend to business. It's a good idea. I saw something in the shadows. It's a very small apartment when you come in. It's like a sitting room apartment. It's it's not again size similar to what you saw with with Henry Stanley. Maybe a, maybe a touch bigger, but in far worse condition. You can see the drapes have been pulled. There's no light. There's no vision of the outside. The window can't be seen, and you can see as you're. You, those of you who are, who are venturing further inward, who aren't necessarily standing right by the door, you can see that there's the professor can be dimly seen on the bed, uh, which has been sp- sort of splayed out here. Um, anyone getting close, you can start to see that there are burn scars, intense burn scars all over his face. His eyes are effectively swollen shut at this point. Mm. These, these, these red, painful-looking melons... You can see that his mustache is that he was so extraordinarily proud of uh, that he likely had wonderful conversations with Grigori about has been burnt away, seared away. And you can see in its place is just this terrible, horrible scar and also his sideburns as well. Much of the hair on one out of his one side of his head uh, is gone as well. Uh, on the side table next to them, there's a bunch of medical supplies. You can see bottles and tubes and bandages, etc., and as you get close, you can see the professor is sort of struggling to get. And he's kind of sitting up at this point. And you can hear him kind of like wheezing, extraordinarily hoarse and painful. Um, and you kind of get the sense that this is very, very painful for him. And he says, good. You all have come. <laughs> 
and he kind of motions and, and much like Bedos, he kind of holds up his hand and it's bandaged and wrapped and you can see like there's discoloration as something seeping through the bandage and he kind of waves you forward. Bedos kind of starts to s- step off to the side and you can see uh, he, he's kind of rummaging through a few things and you can see he kind of holds something in his hand uh, like a like a like a piece of paper. Um, so who is near the professor and who is by the door? By the uh, door. By the door. Pem is definitely by the things. professor. Yeah. Okay. Joseph, you're by the professor. Okay. So two and two, that's fine. You all can hear. Uh, it's it's small enough room and it's quiet enough that you can do this. Uh, but he says, again, with that extreme, just like he's cr- just forcing the words out. He's, he's, I have much to tell you and even more dire in dreadful favor to ask. In little will or voice with which to converse. And he starts, <coughs> and you see like Beto's like comes over, grabs like this cup of water, holds it over to him. He kind of gets a sip and kind of looks up at you all. He weighs him away. As you know, my work involves the bunking of imposters and charlatans, giving scientific explanations to what others might name magic. Few times in my life have I been truly convinced that such sorcery exists. And it's those times when I have felt the greatest wonder and fear. Mr. Tidwell. He kind of looks over at you, Joseph. For instance, your your family's origins. Fascinating and concerning. I, I know not whether these cultists of yours were madmen or... <laughs> or if they could channel some great and terrible master from beyond. And Mr. Abernathy, your, your tales of travel are as fascinating as any I've heard. But did I mean no offense? Are they merely a psychological byproduct of whatever ailments assault your mind? Both of you are very fascinating men with terrifying stories. But stories that might yet be explained by science, by the growing field of psychology. However, there are stories, sadly, and incidents that I am certain are not fiction. And they're not born from a broken mind or a terrible childhood trauma. (laughs) I apologize, my friends. I do not mean to diminish you. Should my health return, I'll gladly aid you in your personal journeys of discovery. There are, right now, more pressing concerns. For some time now, (coughs) I have been on the trail of what can only be described as an artifact of great evil. He takes like this deep breath and he, a wheeze kind of comes out. He takes a he, he, he goes to take a like a, a sip of water. But like as he does, so he, it kind of dribbles down his mouth as he struggles to swallow it. 
is called the Setifkar Simulacrum. It's a statue of considerable age and also a source, I have come to believe, of great magical power. It was taken apart at the end of the, the 18th century and scattered across Europe. And I have come to learn. And he kind of like, he looks at his hands, but his eye, you can't see his eyes. And he kind of like feels out for like Beddoes, who kind of grabs him by the arm. And he says, I have come to learn in the most violent and terrible ways that some sort of cult seeks to retrieve the pieces, reform the simulacrum, and use it for some foul purpose. It was members of this cult, Turkish madmen, who attacked my home and tried to burn us alive. But Beddoes, my, my dear friend Beddoes, he saved us both. You might ask why these mad cultists have targeted me. That is a fair question. I have been planning to retrieve the pieces myself and destroy them once and for all. I must admit, your invitations, the lecture, they were intended as recruitment in this charge. But my enemies intervened more boldly and quickly than I anticipated. I had compiled research and notes on the simulacrum, but I have them no more. At best, they were destroyed in the fire, and at worst, and what I truly fear, these madmen now have them. It kind of like reaches out a hand, and whoever's near the bed, whether it's Pema or Joseph, you feel like this bandage hand just sort of like wrap around you with this sudden old man's strength. They must not be allowed to recover the statue. I'll tell you what essential information I can recall. And I have already dictated. And he like puts a hand up, kind of motions to where Beddoes is, who kind of stands up at this point, comes forward with this piece of paper, hands it to you, Joseph. I've already dictated when my voice was stronger earlier this day. Important details to Beddoes. What research remains? In my dear beloved British Museum and Library, I don't know. The Challenger lecture consumed much of my time of late and I have not been able to continue my research. Perhaps you might be able to find more on your own. Anyhow... And at this point he starts to kind of cough a bit. Be careful with whom you speak. And what information you offer. He starts coughing, like, horrifically at this point, spitting something up, and and he kind of just starts flopping back in the bed at this point, and you just hear, 
Let me we'll be share. on it straight away. I promise. And I'll share with you guys what Beto's gives you. Uh, so you guys can read it. So it's not just the Jeff hour. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> so I'll give you, I'll give you two. I got two versions up here. One is like a handwritten version, but then I also just typed it out because it might be easier for you to read. So I will show that to you all. If anybody else wants to read some of that. Sure. Okay. The Sedefkar Simulacrum is an occult artifact of evil power. It was taken apart and scattered across Europe at the end of 18th century. Retrieve the pieces and destroy it. The statue is dismembered in Paris. Dis- yes, in Paris, just prior to the French Revolution. Part of it may still be in France. The owner was noble, Comte Fenelic. Napoleon's soldiers carried a piece into Venice when they invaded that city. Another fragment made its way to Trist at the same time. I'm not a smart man. Its fate is unknown. Look up Johann Winkelmann at the museum there. There may be a piece in the kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slavonis. Start at the National Museum of Belgrade. Dr. Milovan Todrovic is the curator. One part was lost near Sofia during the Bulgarian War in 1875. At that time, things of value were hidden from the invaders, so it may be buried somewhere. A piece was in circulation in Paris just after the Great War and sold to someone from Milan. The only sure way to destroy the statue is in its original home, a place in Constantinople known as the Shunned Mosque. A ritual to destroy it is uh, destroy it utterly is included in a set of documents known as the Sedefkar Scrolls. That's a lot of travel. This is going to be a huge pain in the ass. And but still, it will be done. As you as you say that, as you're finished reading, you see it, and you like kind of look up, and you say that, and you can see that Beto's has retrieved from a cabinet this uh, this kind of brown leather valise, and uh, we'll say he hands it over to Grigori, and. Mm. If you look inside, Gregory, you notice that there are yeah. 200 Bank of England five pound notes, which is essentially a thousand pounds sterling. It's a lot of money. And he says, the professor wishes to fund the expedition and desires no accounting. You know, you're a man of considerable wealth, Mr. Kozu, but consider this, consider this a fund for your acceptance of the charge. Before uh, before the attack, he had planned to travel with you all via the Simplon Orient Express. It's the finest, vastest, and most reliable transport on the continent. My um, my master is accustomed to comfort. He kind of has like this really sad, like kind of grim sound to it as he looks around the room that you guys are now in and the terrible cot that this old man has kind of flopped down in. What do you guys want to do? So we need to destroy it in Constantinople. Where's that? And you just, yeah, you just, yes, yes. 
<laughs> you can, I think most of you would know what Constantinople is. Uh, to some degree, you would know what Constantinople is, right? Uh, oh, I heard about it in a song once. Oh, Istanbul. Right. Yes. That was Byzantium. I should add that as an extra lyric. Okay, anyhow. Um, so, so he says, yes, yes, yes. Go quickly, please. Pema, Miss Namdak, perhaps. Yes, sir. If you are so inclined, I cannot give you a, a recommendation to get into the, the British Library, but I am sure your scientific credentials and Mr. Kozel's vast wealth and you might be able to find such a recommendation from one of my colleagues at the university. Absolutely. Please, please, be careful what it is you say to them for they know nothing of the depth of my work and I do not wish to endanger them further. My whereabouts must remain secret. For my own safety and for better. This is quite a quite the mystery that you've been struggling with and it seems quite dangerous as well. Yes, I would not ask this of you, my friends, if it was not exceedingly necessary. The foul and destructive nature of the simulacrum, it cannot be allowed into this world and into the hands of these madmen. I am sorry. I am running out of energy. No, no, rest, rest up. And, and, you know, Pema will sort of do the, you know, kind of like fluff the pillows behind him kind of a thing and just. And he kind of coughs, this like wet, horrible cough. Is it a fair guess that the place of its potential destruction is also most likely the place that they will try to reconstruct it as it is the original home? Can we perhaps make a fair guess that that is where these cultists will be trying to take these pieces when they find them? Yes. Well, my dear Joseph, they can't even... We cannot let them acquire even one. For together, the simulacrum is immensely powerful. But even one piece... In their hands could lead to terrible destruction, albeit on a smaller scale. You must beat them to the pieces, my friend. Understood. I will ignore the thought that was in my head earlier then. Not that I would simply lay ambush to them as they try to bring it back to Sedefka. If that is what is necessary, then so be it. But try... As hard as you can to at least acquire them, and they have been hidden for centuries. It will not be easy for them nor you to find them. 
You are all very cunning and savvy people with your own skills and expertise. I am sure you will be able to outthink and outmaneuver them. We will certainly do the very best that we can. Uh, we've just had our own uh, bit of adventure on the train recently, and we managed to get out of it uh, intact. So perhaps that would be a uh, measure of good fortune that we will be successful in this as well. You just hear it. Perhaps we should let him rest. Yeah. Don't worry, good man. We'll take care of it. We'll sort it out. I am sure you will. <laughs> and Beddoes will kind of lead you all away from the bed at that point. And you kind of, you have your, you have the notes. You have the valise, Gregory. You have those. Then those, Kozel, or excuse me, Tidwell has them. He kind of looks up at you all with a very grim and almost fearful look on his face. Uh, Joseph, you would say he looks. You could tell that he's got. Um, he's very distressed. Kind of a little bit, a little bit out of sorts, which is sort of a surprising look for him. He's always been a very solid rock of a man. Uh, what do you guys want to do? Here's the thing. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to reach in. I'm going to give you a hug. Because you're a good man. And this is a cruel and terrible world. But there's one thing that can never be taken away from you. You are honorable. Your actions prove it. The fact that he is alive to be able to tell us what he's told us is because of your heroism. I know you're sad. I know you're hurt. But you're a damn good man. So you, you reach in to hug him. And he, he's shocked. Right. And you just feel he's completely tense. But then you then feel like the the arms kind of come slightly around the back. But you can tell his hands are covered like he's he suffered burns of his own. Mm -hmm. And he kind of very gently taps you with like the the, the sort of the, the forearm a bit, the, the interior of the wrist. Thank you, Joseph. I'm, um, <clears throat> I am in better spirits knowing that you will take on the professor's charge. Be careful, all of you, these, these madmen. They were fierce. They uh, tried to stab me when I first answered the door, and then when we tried to lock ourselves in the homes when they started firing the house. Hmm. They will resort to no. There's no level of violence to which they will not resort. Watch each other's backs. Now, is there any is there any reason that we should investigate the house, so as to try and stop them, or should we go straight for the simul? I haven't returned simulacrum to the house, but the blaze was very 
total. From what I could gather from the newspapers, it is all but rubble at this point. I would be shocked if there is anything of the professor's research that remains. It's he did shame. do... Yes. He did most of his research, not at his office, the university, but in the reading room of the, of the British Museum. Whether or not any of his materials remain at either location or... Or at his Oriental Club, I am uncertain. I cannot show my face in public for fear that my whereabouts will lead to his whereabouts. I have arranged to take him to a, a hospital for veterans in the country. I will not tell you the name for obvious reasons. But I will send updates via telegraph restance when I can. If there are, there's any business you have left, be it the library, his office, the club, I suggest you take care of it quickly. And then find your way onto the express. He goes to give each one of you a handshake until he realizes the bandage is on his hand, but instead he just kind of... Gives you like a, a tap on the side of the arm. Pamai gives you kind of like a, a like a very respectful nod, and he kind of leads you to the door. Uh, Pamela will reach into her bag, and uh, I'm gonna say that she had um, kind of brought with her a. A note that um, the late missus had written to Pema, so kind of like in her stationery. Um, and kind of knowing that everything in the house has been burned, she's, you know, kind of kind of fishing through her bag and she'll kind of pull out this and it's, you know, kind of the, you know, obviously her, you know, stationary envelope and stationary, you know, letter and um, she'll pull it out and hand it to Beto's and just say, I... It, it must be uh, quite upsetting uh, to the professor to not have anything of hers that everything burned. Uh, the contents of this are unimportant, but her perfume is always on her letters, and perhaps I can bring him some comfort. Anyone who wants to, go ahead and roll a psychology test as this exchange happens. And you're watching, watching Beto's as he takes the, the letter from you, Pema. I got a four out of sixty. Very nice. What a roll! Uh, that would be a uh, Three very stars. good success. That is, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, he, you can see tears start to well up in his eyes actually. Uh, as you said, as, as, as Pema describes where this is from, he grabs it. He looks back over towards where the professor is laying in bed. He looks back at you and he says, um, it has not yet dawned on him. I think, thank you, Miss Namdak. I will 
share this with the professor when the time is right. And he is strong enough to hear these words. Thank you. And you can see like, again, he doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like full on crying, but it, it, it very much silly. And you can see the eyes begin to well up and it's as if he's kind of holding it back. Pema just sort of does a little half bow, half curtsy. And at that point, we'll say he lets you all out, closes the door behind you. You hear the creak of the floorboards as he returns to the side of the bed. You look up and down the hallway. You don't see any signs of anybody. You start going back down the stairs. Again, the lobby of the hotel, of the of the apartment building here is is empty, dark. Get back out into the street. Fewer people in the street now. You've probably been inside for an hour, we'll say. You don't really see anybody else in the street. Occasional straggler here. You hear the sounds of like a distant clink of a of a glass or something in the alleyways. But otherwise, it's extremely cold. It's probably around midnight. There's this like fog, this cold mist that sort of rolls past and just kind of you just feel like the in your bones this great and terrible cold. And unless there's something you wanted to do tonight, we can say we return to the hotel. We return to your hotels. Is that fair? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Been a long yeah. night. Keep an eye out for that car the whole way home. Okay. Of course. Uh, so you return to your homes or return to the hotels. Uh, night passes uh, uneventfully unless there's something somebody wants to do. Uh, morning comes Sunday. Is there anything in particular that you would all want to try to accomplish today? Uh, things that are on my list. Uh, of course, we know we have to book passage. And we should probably hunt that down sooner rather than later. And we now know that we have one heck of a journey lying in front of us. Mm. And we've got, uh, you know, funding. Anything we can think of that we're going to need, we need to get. I'm curious to know these, um, these copies that were found the man who owned the you know trinket shop it said that they all had different routes of travel it might be useful if possible to know where they've already tried to travel because likely they've been searching for the pieces that's fair now that we have those pieces to put together so if we can have an idea of what they may or may not know or what they're assuming it might help us gauge things Indeed, we are known to now be a Turkish cult, and that was the implication from that article. I mean, set up an antique dealer with a shop and just send off one person claiming to be this one dealer. Mm -hmm. That way it doesn't appear like you have an army of people scouring Europe. And I'm so not the newspaper. Smart. Oh, sorry. I was going to say the newspaper didn't reference it, the locations that he went to. It just that was one of the oddities that it mentioned. And I will say it's interesting, given the name of the artifact that we're looking for, that there were copies of this man. We're looking for a simulacrum. I may be saying it wrong, but it is basically 
a word for copy. Looking for a copy oh, of a copy or just not the a copy? Fan of that idea. No, one of one of each of us is plenty enough of each of us, I would have thought. Yes. So perhaps there's a chance they already have a piece, and that was a weird ability that they're able to do because they have a piece. I see. A so stretch. we we have already uh we have already lost the race, it would appear. Not necessarily. We are behind. Just I think it's fair to assume they possibly already have one if they're doing weird bullshit. That's fair. Well, I mean, that means that we really need to get moving. Uh, so list of things to do today. Get our passage sorted out. Mm-hmm. Buy anything we think we need. I'm feeling rather naked now with this threat in front of us without a good calm yourself, Jeff. I'm very <laughs> excited. <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> without a, a good rifle in my hand. Uh, Is that what you call it? Yes. I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I'm too sick to make a funny joke off of that. So we'll just <laughs> say yes. Wink. Um, and then if we want to see if we can bribe our way and to uh, the police and get copies of the passports. I wouldn't mind doing some uh, time in the library. I'm sure our public records uh, departments as well could possibly provide some uh, immigration information or birth death I mean, certificate, marriage certificates, otherwise of at least one of our Mr. Macriots. With the information we have, I mean, we know that a piece was carried into Venice via Napoleon's army, finding out where war trophies like that might be stored. Um, Another one in Bulgaria, hidden, buried from invaders, maybe research on where that type of thing would be stored away. Looking up who this noble Comte Fenelic is in France. So tell me something. How did Henry Stanley fare? Medium well. So he went back with you all, I take it? I have no idea. I wasn't paying any attention to the man. He went, uh, I mean, he went home. So remember we made that joke about how she's already trying to sell. Like oh, someone yeah, was yeah. someone was going to I think someone was oh, trying yeah. to get Randolph mm-hmm. like the room. And he's like, but that's mm-hmm. my room. <laughs> so, yeah. That's the last you talk to him. Yeah. Uh you do know that he hates trains now. Yeah, he's very much yeah. anti-train now. Well, I think uh I should pop in and see how he's doing. Uh, I may co- come down the line that we may need to rec- recreate what he did. I mean, we know how to do that now. We just get the train set. I don't know if we would ever want to do that again. I mean, it could be a great place to store things. I think I'm quite okay with never going back there again. I would would quite agree. Uh, Cillian, are you sure you did not just want to uh, call on uh, Miss Atkins there? (laughs) Is that your motive for wanting to say? check in on Mr. Stanley. 
unnecessarily. But if I were hard up on money, I would do. I would do that. I see. It does appear that we have uh, quite the deep pockets in our traveling group at this point. It does appear that I have at least a day at the library ahead of me. Um, and having aforementioned uh, lack of success in other things, Pema is quite looking forward to a day at the library. Looking, We are that. incredibly blessed to have your big brain on top of this task. <laughs> So uh, another another thing I thought of. Hmm. Um, do we know where Randolph Alexis's home is? No. You know that there was basically an estate. Like you would be able to conclude there was a big estate sale, and that's mm -hmm. where the train set came from. And so the Alexis family, there's no living members that you're mm -hmm. aware of. Uh, and so like there's nobody because they sold everything off. Um, Albert Alexis died in this 1917, I think it was, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he was the last kind of living heir to Randolph Alexis. And so he was the only child of Alexis too. So wife is unknown, no other no other kids, uh, anything like that. And, and oh. Albert had none either. I, I do wonder. It's, they had gone about in the same circles, artifact hunters of sorts. I wonder if he had anything to do with this similar crumb. I will say, if you do that, be careful, because circumstances as they are, you're the one who brought the body back. Right. And yeah, as I understand it, the body was not identified. They're going to be working to identify it. If they do somehow identify it, and you are the one poking around at those places, you could put yourself in an awkward position. You read my mind. In fact, I shouldn't be the one to go. I was wondering if either any of you had the spare time to check it out yourselves. Shit. I wish I hadn't opened my big, stupid mouth. <laughs> well, it is big. I, I, I do wonder if we know if all of these things are connected or not. But it is true. We may not be here again in London for quite some time. Yes. So let me let me go through a few things. So first of all, Gregory, you're asking about booking passage. There yeah. There's basically two ways you guys can go about doing this, and it's sort of up to you. You can either get ticket like there is a place in London, the Tom Thomas Cook and Son, where you could um where you could buy buy tickets essentially. Uh this involves you essentially taking a British train ride to Dover and then a ferry across the channel, and then you would actually pick up the actual Orient Express on the other side of the channel in Paris. Or you could potentially fly across the channel. And then make your way to uh, it's that damn, and this is that damn made up language, Jeremy. Uh, Compagni Internationale de Wagons. I, I'm not, I fucking hate French. I'm sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> I, like, I just, I suck at it, and it's really hard to do when you're sick. Uh, so, I'm not going to even try. <laughs> but there's another location, essentially, you could do that there. So, I, those are essentially the two ways you can go about doing it. Uh, so you can either do it here in London and you take a, a train ride to the coast, then you take a ferry ride across the channel, or you can just take a plane ride and hop over top of the channel and kind of land um, in Paris or near enough to Paris and kind of pick up so your tickets there. Would I know uh, my two questions? First one will be speed. Which one gets us there fastest? Uh, so it really depends upon the um, the 
so it's it's there's a specific aerodrome that you would be flying from it's just a question of like whether or not how how frequently there's tickets there's far more availability to train rides and boat rides than there are to plane yeah. rides so okay. if you can get an early enough ticket you would get there faster on the plane but it's more reliable to go by train and, and boat so and, and, and even the train wouldn't take yeah. that long it's about an eight hour london to paris takes about eight hours between train to do uh train to dover then the ferry across it's about an eight hour trip so it's not that long Okay. And then there's like an extra trip from the from Calais to Paris, essentially. Okay. Okay. Then yeah, that do, would be. Do you need Do you need someone correct. to come along? I definitely don't think we should. I would be regretful about any of us splitting up at a time like this when threats are abound. Oh, so should, we should all go together. Either well, I also hesitate on together because Pema has a lot of work to do at the museum i'm looking for something to do because i can't exactly look well, about uh, at Randall i do Flux's agree belongings i think you have a good point splitting up too much could be disastrous at the very least pairing off is a good idea so if you're going to if you're looking to try to go to the library, I have I I doubt they're open on Sunday, but I don't want to wait till Monday. So we'll say they're going to be open in our world. They're open on Sunday. Uh, but uh, Reginald Abernathy would probably be a good partner for Pema as he has very high library use. He's an occultist, mm. so he's a scholar. So he could be a person that could be with Pema. So even though Matt's not here, his character could be there. You go with Matt. <laughs> Mimes are perfect for libraries. My, oh, they're great in libraries. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find a certain fit for myself. Uh, well, if we have to go see if we can get those passports from the police, uh, money goes a long way. Mm -hmm. But uh, I like all the does. charm to sometimes handle the things that money doesn't cover. Hmm. So why don't we send Abernathy and Pema off to research? I'm sorry, Pema. No exciting running around town for you. Just you and it your is, boring old books. You it must is be how I like it. You know. <laughs> if you have to twist my arm, I suppose that's how I shall <laughs> spend my Sunday. Yes. Uh, and then the three of us, uh, Mr. Tidwell, Cillian, myself, we'll go off and book passage harass the local law enforcement and buy weapons okay <laughs> okay well when you put it like that it sounds shady but i think buying hunting rifles and things like that would be perfectly fine and with your credit rating i don't think you'd have any issues um cool. so we can do so a couple so first of all the booking passage is just that's easy enough to do it's just an expenditure of time um, so are, are you looking in the book passage, uh, in London, take the train, the ferry and then, yeah. okay. So we'll yeah. say that happened. We, we don't necessarily need to role play that all out. That's fine. Um, so we'll say the first, what you do first, uh, the three of you kind of head there. It's in London. You take, you, you know, you take some, some, uh, you get some passage there. It's Sunday, probably not as traffic's not as bad. It's probably easier to find in some ways, uh, transport, or you can arrange it with your, uh, with your hotel, just fine. Uh, and you're able to kind of book your first class tickets. You have enough money. Your money is accounted for uh, because of all that has been given to you uh, from the professor. Um, 
the we can we'll take a look probably off off air uh in terms of like purchasing like what do you want to purchase what's likely to be available that kind of stuff and so yeah. we'll, we'll give me a shopping list basically and we'll see sure. what's 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 available uh, and so we'll say that's part of what you guys do as well uh pema um you want to go to the so the british museum library is a special library that uh if you do not have membership in the peerage uh actually would require normally require academic references uh, and a clear statement of purpose and need for what you get at the library in a waiting period of several <laughs> days or weeks to allow the study of their applications. This is actually all from the book. However, that sucks. So instead, uh, what uh, basically is you would need to acquire a, a, a reference, I would say, uh, is essentially all I would, I would suggest that you need to do. So, um, you are a scientist. You've worked in London. You do have the name of um, uh, of Professor Smith. You do know some. I would say you might even know some of his colleagues at the University of London. Uh, but I would say your first task would be to try to acquire like a recommendation from them or from somebody that would let you get into the library itself. Okay. Um, and can we also say possibly um, some combination of the professor and uh, his late wife? would have some she is not an academic uh she we 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 didn't that's right that's right she's more as an academic so philanthropic um, type things yeah. um okay so what kind of a role would this be well it's 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 sort of up to you like we can um you can visit the university if you want um you you do have your own reputation you do have a scientific reputation under yourself like you have one of your own um but you also know that the professor has colleagues at university of London that you might be able to consult with, um, and maybe get a written recommendation of some kind. So you can do that. Yeah. I'd go with one of the colleagues, one of his colleagues. Okay. So we'll say the first thing you do is it's a Sunday. So again, it's not as, not as easy to kind of get a hold of people. Uh, but we'll say that because I want the game to move on, uh, you uh, you head over to the University of London and into his specific department. Um, and while there is not an ex- a great deal of people uh, around on campus or even in the department at this point, uh, you do see as you arrive at the building itself, there is kind of a lone light on in the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the actual door itself seems to be locked uh, to the to the to the to building. So you'd either have to like make a fuss to get somebody down, or you could attempt to pick the lock if you prefer. Uh, anything like that. Uh, going to take advantage of Mr. Abernathy being in uh, the mime state outside. Um, so I'm going to uh, kind of try to uh, kind of create a bit of a fuss of some students and whatnot that are kind of around just to try to kind of get the attention of whoever might be inside by kind of making a fuss with he's doing a bit of a uh, mime show uh, downstairs. (laughs) So kind of carnival barkering for the mime. Gotcha. (laughs) Uh, You can do like a fast talk or something if you like. Um, Oh, crap. (laughs) 
<laughs> I tried. Okay. Talk. <laughs> but you got to understand. Again, we, we've talked about this before. You have to like mine these roles. That's the only way you improve your skills is by coming but up I with can't. creative ways to use your skills. I actually but have something. to succeed at them to get better at them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the other game that you get better at. Failing. I mean, you could do something else. You don't have to necessarily do fast talk. You could do something else, but uh, oh. you could do, uh, I don't know, disguise or some kind of performance art, if you have that. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I got, I got nada, nada, nada everywhere. Okay. I mean, you could um, also just knock really loud at the door and see if you can get the guy to come down. But uh, <laughs> like, I wasn't trying to make this. This initially seemed like more fun until I actually had to like roll. Okay. Um, hey, I got a 10. So I'm going to spend five luck to Fantastic. fast. Okay. My fast talk. So <laughs> you, so, so Reginald is doing the loudest mimery uh, you can possibly imagine. Uh, and uh, eventually you hear the sounds of the door kind of creaking open and you see a man probably in his mid forties. Uh, he's dressed up in sort of a, a leisure suit, uh, kind of heavy coat on top. He's got a pipes kind of, kind of hanging out of his mouth, he's got a very long, very tapered beard uh, that comes to a point. And he's like, oh, what's the meaning of this out here? It's a Sunday. I am trying to do academic work here. This is very important. Now, what on earth is happening out here? Don't you have something better to do? Honestly. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, and so Pam is going to, you know, kind of go into a very, you know, kind of obvious bow and curtsy to kind of the students that have gathered. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I do hope you have a good uh, rest of your Sunday. Thank you. Thank you very much. And she kind of loops her, uh, her elbow with uh, Mr. Abernathy and will uh, kind of spin him around. Uh, yes, uh, Professor, uh, we actually were... Uh, here to meet you, actually, as it were. Just uh, meet me. I I have no appointments today. No, it no, is my no. reading day. Yes, yes, and I, I do hate to uh, disturb an academic on his reading day. Uh, this I do bring uh, tidings from, uh, and she'll kind of lower her voice and kind of look around. Uh, Professor Smith, if we could retire to your office. You see his his face just changes completely. His mouth kind of opens. You've seen Julius. Is he yeah, all right? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's let go your, your office. Let's. <laughs> come, 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 come. Yes. He kind of ushers the two of you up. How much do you tell him along the way? You don't have to play it all out, but how much do you tell him? Um, I'm, I'm assessing how much he knows. Uh, well, according to the professor, they don't know anything, but you can roll psychology if you like. But he'll he'll be asking questions like, well, I was also dreadfully worried. His home is burnt down. No one's seen him. Bezos apparently is a suspect. I couldn't believe it. He's such a wonderful, dedicated man. Don't don't believe such things. Where where, where on earth are they? I've heard, I've spoken with the police. They come and they've they've questioned all of us about his whereabouts and why. It's it's better that you don't know. It's It's better that you don't know. He's... what kind of trouble could an academic get into? Come now, he's an old man. He, he has his books, his studies, he's got his club, his library. I, now his I, home I know. Down. 
There are. I, I've, I've heard reports it's awesome. Someone did intentionally. Well, unfortunately, sometimes those that set such fires have ideas in their head about what they are looking for, and they think that academic folks have poked their noses into things that they haven't necessarily poked their noses into. Uh, uh, I suppose I understand that. Uh, it seems very flimsy reasoning, madam. Why do you say so myself? Well, an old I, man is very kind. He's nearing time. What on, yes, why on earth would anybody want to burn his building down? Hurt I, the man. I knew his dear wife. She was uh, quite the, oh, the sweet woman. Margaret. Yes. Oh, what a stunner she was. Yes, yes. She, if you say so, uh, yes, she was quite delightful. Um, I, I'm actually wondering uh, if I could uh, perhaps trouble you on this Sunday for uh, a quick... Uh, a quick note on your stationery for me to do some some research at the museum library. It uh, wanted to. Uh, well, that is quite a tall ass there, young lady. Um, what is your name again? Uh, Pema Pema Namnak. You one of the students? Uh, I've audited courses before. I've done my own studies. Audited. Yes, yes, yes. Post degree, of course. Studies. What degrees have you? I'll uh, list them. And she'll list her degrees, which I believe are uh, zoology and biology. Yeah. What a curious bear that you make with old Julius. Not quite his, uh, his field. Uh, but you did say you were friends with Margaret, and she very much loved that zoo, those yes. animals, indeed. Yeah, she did. Yes. Quite the philanthropist. Yes, she was. Well, it's just to help out, my good friend. But of course, I wouldn't come asking, especially on a Sunday, if it weren't. Hmm. Uh, okay. Um, you give me a roll. Give me a, you know, you can do a charm. You could do a persuade. You could do a... Uh, anything like that? I passed my psychology test. I can't do anything else. <laughs> psychology is just psychology's insight. So yeah. don't worry, I'm a fail forward kind of guy. It's fine. <laughs> it's only so many low rolls in this set of dice. Ah. Uh, Plus, I want to mm, mine your. I want to mine your luck. Well, yeah. Um. I don't think I've passed a roll tonight without the use of luck. Um, so you going to use it? I don't even have enough luck. Uh, let's see. It's a 35 and I need to get to 15. All right. You're going to take all my luck, I guess. I'll pass. Do I really? Okay. Sweet. Okay. So you take all the luck. Or I take all the luck. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I suppose if it's for Julius, uh, one good turn deserves another. But he's all right, yes. Embroiled uh, in some sort of mystery that you want to tell me about. It's not uh, so much mystery as it's just there's a fewer people that know. That, I mean, if someone is willing to go through the troubles to try to put him in danger, I wouldn't want to put you and your family in the same danger. Uh, I have no family. All I have is my work. If you think I was a man with family, do you think I would be here on a Sunday afternoon? 
Uh, and Pema will just wink at him and say, occasionally, those with the family are the ones most likely to be here on a Sunday afternoon. He kind of looks at you. <laughs> well spoken, madam. Well spoken. Now, be so kind. I have work to get back to. And shuffles back. I assume I've received, retrieved the letter. Sure, he'll give it to you. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right, let's cut over to the guys. Uh, so you've got your, you've driven, sh- you, we'll say montage shopping scene. We don't need to play it all out. I know you were making the list in Discord. Uh, and you've got your, but other than that, what would you, what would, what's what's the other thing that you would guys want to do? So we, we've got the shopping, we've got the passage. The other thing on our list was seeing about those passports, I think. Okay, you're trying to get, so so you're trying to get information about the, the Macriat guys? Yeah, the guy who okay. died all those times to see okay. if his passports line up with our journey. So you know that they're the guy who's running the investigation is Inspector Fleming uh, at Scotland Yard. Uh, you know that the the bodies were found at the Chelsea Arms Hotel. So how would you want to go about trying to get more information? Um. None of us are wanted by the police right now, right? That you know of. No, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. The jury is possible that Killian is a person of interest. I mean, we could just go up and ask. Make up no. a story, say, uh, oh, yeah, he was an antiques dealer. We were buying some some train collectibles from him. Mm -hmm. And now that there was multiples of him who all went to different places, uh, we would like to look at his passports to see if he had made any leads on the pieces that we were collecting. That is a thousand times better than my idea. Okay. Were you just going to punch them? No, I was going (laughs) to say, this is an incredible story. It's the sort of thing that would make an amazing movie. I'm writing a script. I need the details to get the script approved. So we'll set the scene lobby of of Scotland Yard. You're at the 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 the, the, the sort of the desk out front. You're trying to talk your way in to speak with Inspector Fleming. What is it? What is the actual strategy to try to get Fleming to talk to you? Um Oh, man, that's a question. Uh, We need to speak with the inspector specifically because we have unhelpful clues about this man and the places he might have been. Okay. So if you mention that you have information about this Mehmet Macria, that you need Mm -hmm. to speak to Inspector Fleming at once. You will get some guffawing, some eyes rolling, some questions, and then they will eventually get you to sit down. But within an hour, you'll see Inspector Fleming, presumably, uh, comes comes out and he kind of stands in front of you all. You'll probably put him in his uh, early 50s, tall, slender man, full head of hair. He looks down at you all, looks at Grigori, looks at Joseph, looks again at Joseph, then looks over at Cillian, and then kind of his eyes kind of cock at Cillian a little, little slightly in a moment. But then he turns back to Kozel, and he says, "I'm uh, 
led to assume that you all have information on the investigation to Mr. Macriat. Is that, uh, is that accurate? Uh, yes, I do. I do, I do. Um, I had hired him to collect some gifts. I'm a member of the train club here in town about the different locations he was supposed to be traveling. Uh, and I wanted to provide the notes on the places that uh, under my employ, where he was supposed to be going. Uh, but also, I was told that the different versions of him that are dead each had different locations that they had traveled to. I was wondering if maybe we could compare notes. I am still the items I hired him to buy for me. I still need to procure those. So I'm just curious to see where he ended up in that process. Where uh, they ended up in that process. He's kind of listening, kind of nodding along a couple of times. A couple of things you say, he, his head kind of, he thinks maybe you might have said something incorrect as he kind of his head kind of cocks eyebrow raises uh fast talk might yeah. be good here if you got it uh if you want to do credit rating you can but i would say penalties eye on credit rating for this one my good so man you, okay, he's, okay he's invested quite a bit of money into this and he uh, he would need well. to know whether or not uh he needs to claim the insurance that he took out on this. It's not true, often true. that you buy insurance on this, but okay. you know, yeah. yeah. My fast talk is five. It's <laughs> <laughs> <He is, laughs> low. I'm trying to assist him. I know you are. I know you are. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, what do you have for fast talk there, Cillian? Oh, no. Uh, for fast talk, it's five. For charm, it's 79. For credit rating, it's 60. Cillian, roll a charm. Okay. Okay. And if you're successful, this will will, will, will knock down Grigori's uh, credit rating to like just a normal roll here. Oh. Uh, so I would need to spend 11. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to do that. Okay. All so right. Grigori, normal roll. So the assist will come through. All right. Normal credit rating roll right. at this point. The two of you are teaming Red up. Is. Joseph just sitting there. Big fish-eyed grin. Look at that. Okay. I'm so rich. I what got a five. What was that roll? Okay. Wow. wow. Very nice. I'm so cool. Yeah. I, I'm sympathetic to your uh, issues, of course. Uh, there are, however, three dead men, young men, in fact, that uh, killed in horrific, well, fashion, I suppose you might say. So, I mean, no disrespect when I say that your insurance issues are not the foremost of my concern. However, I can tell you that they uh, did not, in fact, Travels. They did, in fact, travel separately. However, there were not regularities or anything with their passports. The, however, I will tell you, they each each man carried an identical telegram sent from Paris. Each one with the same same message. Very perplexing indeed. Meet me in London at once. Urgent. 
Signed, M. Now, whether or not this M is Mehmet Makriat himself, or whether or not another man or woman, I am not sure. We, um, we did search through Mr. Makriat's shop and home. We spoke with the neighbors, and I can tell you that we showed them photographs of the, the dead men. Every one of them testified to the fact that none of them looked at all like the man they know as Mehmet Makriat, owner of the Crescent Treasury. In fact, he is a much older man. And the men, the corpses we had found, were young. And also very, um, very strangely marked. And kind of leans forward. Once I tell you now, if I find it in the papers, I shall come for each one of you. And I care not for how much money that you can dole out. I will put you in chains. Zajan stood. Absolutely. Cross my heart. Crystal clear. It's one of the parties we found was mangled or marked up in some strange way. Skinned, if I must put a word on it. One, the arm. Another, the leg. And the third, oh dear, the entire torso. The cleaning women at the Chelsea, well, they are the ones who discover it, and they are given a significant fright. And they are the only ones who are aware of this, and they have been sworn to secrecy, of course. And now, you, two, you three, I should say, are also sworn. But as for passports, uh, uh, things such as that, no. But I can tell you that they were last in Paris before coming to London. Very well. So you said one was skinned an arm, or the other a leg, and the final a torso? That is correct, sir. So there's potentially two or three others out there? Well, that is a theory we are floating around, yes. That there might be others. No one has yet come forward. We've gotten... No helpful information. The neighborhood, you know, there was a break in a few days earlier, but a very odd story and that nothing apparently was stolen. Perhaps the counting book is missing, which is a bit peculiar. Yeah, but very odd story about him. Melons and a man resembled... He kind of looks over at Joseph. A fish. <laughs> He kind of shakes his head a little bit and kind of turns back to you. But that is all the information I am comfortable sharing. I hope this somehow assists you in whatever efforts. It does. And I'll tell you what, we're actually getting ready to head to Paris ourselves. I'm still on the hunt for those artifacts uh, that we had paid him originally. Well, whoever he was originally. Uh, if we learn anything, I'll gladly send you a telegraph. If you leave a description of the artifacts, we will do a full inventory and accounting of his shop. We've done it once already, and we have not found anything of note missing. However, the accounting book is... <sighs> we found an older version of it, not a newer version, mm. so it's not up to date. But if we see anything in the inventory that matches the description of your artifacts, we'll notify you, you can lay a claim, and go through the process. Sure. Yeah. There. Gentlemen, have a good day. 
And again, goodbye. Good day. Not a word. Uh, we'll go ahead and end it there. Sorry about the little disconnect right there at the end. Uh, but we'll end it there on that little note. Pam was going to the library. Gregory, Joseph, Cillian, you guys did some shopping and you stopped by the cops. Why don't we do some closing plugs and get out of here before my internet completely falls apart. Uh, so Jeremy, you want to tell us about this Patreon of yours? Yeah, Aaron Reese on Patreon. We've got comics, maps, tokens, other assets. Check it out. Why not? Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and then Chuck, tell us about what DOK is doing this week, man. Uh, DOK, Wednesday, All Fear the Ishtar with Jeremy and Jeff. That's our alien campaign where they're space pirates. Uh, Friday, we're actually kicking off a brand new campaign. We're going to be playing some America. That's DCC and post-apocalyptic America. Um Check out our YouTube every Tuesday and Thursday. We got a brand new Pathfinder campaign, Age of Ashes, releasing in 20-minute episodes, nice and easy to watch. Uh, and then Saturday, we got some stuff happening over on GMP, but I'll let Adam talk about that. Adam, talk about yeah. that. What's going on in GMP? Well, uh, this coming Saturday night, we are developing something, so we won't be live, but um oh wait no 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 we do have something live because we yeah we discussed that so we will be finishing um bad times at buddy oberger um the uh umerico what used to be a one shot turned into a two shot um as uh we need to um go and find the intern who does not want to be eaten need to save him gotta save that intern yeah, so um yeah, twitch.tv slash guru and perilous plays for everything else. Um go to guru and perilous.com. Um and uh if you want to see our take on uh post-apocalyptic setting, find our Patreon there. That's where we're um giving all the info to our patrons before we release anything. So yeah, that's that. Awesome. Uh, as for us here on the Lollygaggers, tomorrow we're scheduled to do Forbidden Lands if uh, if Stephen's health uh, cooperates. So everyone cross your fingers, give good vibes towards Stephen, who is also sick like so many of us. Uh, and uh, we'll figure that out tomorrow. Uh, Friday, we are back to Conan, where our buddy Aaron is uh, is running us through some Hyborian tales. Uh, Saturday, we're doing uh, we're doing some One Ring episode forty nine. Uh, episode fifty is coming up later this month. We're gonna have a big old bunch of giveaways for that one. So uh, if you want to hear more about what those giveaways might be, come hang out with us on Saturday. Uh, I'll announce some more info about that there. Uh, and then next Monday, we are going to be playing Holler for Savage Worlds. Remember that we alternate our Mondays between Horror on the Orient Express and Holler. You can see a bunch of the faces here. Uh, and uh, yeah, come back for that. Uh, but otherwise, thanks for everyone who hung out tonight. Uh, it was good to play. Uh, I appreciate everyone kind of suffering through their sicknesses and their coughs to play. All of us are kind of a little under the weather. Uh, thank you for everyone who hung out tonight and watched. Thank you for the subs and the bits that were thrown. Those of you who are watching this later on YouTube, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, come follow us uh, live one night if you can. Follow the Twitch channel. Follow the YouTube channel. Follow Chuck over at Defenders and Adam over at Grim and Perilous. Uh, and then follow us right now as we're going to go ahead and raid Happy Jack's RPG. So when the raid button pops up, go ahead and click it. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll see you later in the week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.